This is Abhi. And Shama. Welcome to the Manmukti podcast, Stories of Stigma, where we speak up about South Asian mental health with professionals and those with lived experiences of mental illness. In today's episode, we decided not to have any guests because Shema and I are pretty cool people ourselves, and we figured that uh, we'd have a conversation just about the effect that parents have on your mental state. So let's go right ahead. Don't take it so hard. Just take from your mistakes. You're living through the night. We don't even have like a okay, so we'll just talk, huh? This we'll is talk weird. like normal people. Okay. Okay. Okay, so um, we are just we're just discussing our parents and how our relationship with them has affected our mental health. Yeah, so we have a pretty similar background as far as moving away from college and then coming back, and and we have like a pretty similar relationship with our parents. And so um, we wanted to kind of discuss how that how that's affected us and um, what that meant when we were growing up and younger and then kind of moving into now our mid twenties and for me a little bit of my late twenties now, uh, kind of what Ooh, happened. late twenties <laughs> late twenties yeah I think I'm officially categorized as a late twenties. I'm sorry, I think I'm almost there. You're all you're not that far behind me, so yeah. yeah. <laughs> Enjoy it while it lasts. now you have to like check the box that says 25 and up oh no you're right yeah yeah yeah. it used to be that i could fit in the 18 to 24 box yeah see now you're in the bracket that was a good time in my life yeah (laughs) it's all darkness (laughs) from here on out now damn i didn't even think about that okay (laughs) things that you learn along the way (laughs) this is what real maturity is i guess it's checking a different box <laughs> okay, so um, why don't you go first? You should talk about like um, what, what is what was your relationship like with your parents when you were younger? Yeah, and and I think I guess the other context to give here is that a lot of times when it comes to South Asians and their mental health in the U.S., especially of our generation, we think of it many times in relation to our parents. We think of it in terms of oh, stigma comes from my parents and the community that they give me. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of pressure on me because of my parents to do well in school or get the right, get, get a job that I don't want to do or things like that. And I think people tend to derive a lot of negative mental health effects sometimes from the community and their parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we really want to talk about what it's like when you have an act- like a pretty positive relationship with your parents. Yeah. Um, a close relationship um, that's that helps you grow. Um, and what are the mental health effects of that, uh, especially when you have to check that box of 25 to 29 and get out of the house and move away? 
So, yeah, for me, right, with my parents. Oh, wait, I think it's also worth mentioning that you are an only child, and I have, I'm a sibling. I have a younger brother. Yes, that's key context. Yes, I'm very lonely all the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry, go ahead, I cut you off. No, I think uh, with, in terms of my relationship with my parents, when I was younger, yeah, I had no, I had no siblings. So when we came to the U.S. when I was six, uh, they were my only friends, Aww. and I didn't even know how to tie my shoes for the longest time. Wait, I, I think I don't think I, I don't think I learned how to tie my shoes until I was like, well into second or third grade. That's like so people, mean. like my parents tied my shoes in the morning every day. Oh, I was like, were you a Velcro kid? Is that why? Or I mean, I also really liked the Velcro. I I distinctly remember <laughs> dolphin Velcro on my shoes. Dolphin that Velcro. Nice. Everybody in. American second grade hated. Like, who is this immigrant kid with his dolphin shoes just making noise all over the place? Like, he thinks he owns it. Oh my god. It's making that, like, horrendous <laughs> sound of, like, the. I, can't, I don't even know what that sound is, but the, the Velcro sound. Yeah, it's. It, it, it can get pretty annoying uh, if you're not the one creating it. Yeah. Kind of like with bubble wrap. Oh, if you're the yeah. one doing it, it's oh, so it's, it's spectacular. Yeah. Or, like, <laughs> popping bubble gum. Yeah, yeah, that too, that too. All categories of sounds that are only good to make if you're the one making them. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I mean, I was pretty much a, quite a baby with my parents for most of my life. Uh, even when, I think the only real, like, point of contention in our lives was when we moved, we moved uh, from from one neighborhood to another so I could go to a quote-unquote better high school. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was furious. I was, you know, I was livid that they were moving away from all, moving me away from all my friends and all that. But, you know, after two years, I kind of like got used to the new high school and made friends there. And so it, for the most part, it was like a pretty solid, like being babied relationship throughout most of <laughs> like elementary school up till college. Even mm-hmm. I, I remember specifically the day that I was driving to college my parents and me, we got in a van and we headed out and like 30 minutes out of Dallas, I was, I, oh, I was bawling. Oh, really? Oh man. Like I had never bawled like that in them before. <laughs> it was bad. And they're like, it was, it, it wasn't even that they felt bad. It just, it was just kind of an awkward scene. I think at the time, like, <laughs> yeah. dude, like, can you stop? Like, this is a little much. <laughs> We're, we're late already. We got to go. And then I realized that I think it, I think it all set off when I realized that we had forgotten the TV at home. No, oh my God. And I was like, we got to turn back for the TV. And I don't know if the stress of that or like what set me off. But I was just like, oh, but I don't even want to leave you guys. And it, then it became really bad. Oh, my gosh. So that, that that's a story of how big of a baby I have been. <laughs> With uh, both my parents, uh, I would consider myself a mama's boy, but equally close to my dad. Mm. And it's just been a really friendly, um, positive relationships. There's obviously been times when it's been tough, mm. uh, as any immigrant kid knows. But overall, it's been good. Since college, I after college, I moved back in with my parents, actually, which is testament to the fact that we had a good relationship. <laughs> and after that, for... A year, I lived uh, in the same city, but in my own apartment, just as a means of kind of striking out and living independently, uh, but still getting to see them every weekend. Mm-hmm. And I would often travel for work, so I 
only really get to see them on Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening. And that was our relationship for quite some time um, before recently when I moved all the way across the country to Boston for school. And so now it's it's very different. Our, our relationship is FaceTime based and we see each other once every other day or so. Yeah, that's at least nice that we have that luxury, which we'll get into. Um, yeah. But do you think that your relationship was just naturally, like you were naturally very close to them because you were an only child? Or is that something that you feel like you guys had to work on? I think part of it, it's definitely the only child thing, right? Like I, yeah. especially just coming here and not knowing too many people, it, it was, I think as an only child in general, I tend to like stick to people yeah. uh, because I, I want like that bond of closeness. It was the same with, it's the same with all my like really close friends. Like I, I tend to like really stick to those best friends that I have as well as like same with my parents when we came here and as I've grown up with them, um, they, they also just really baby me a lot. So it, it only helps the fact that uh, we have a close relationship, I think. My relationship with my parents, I've definitely had to work mm-hmm. on. And that wasn't by their design. It was by mine because I'm a very like stubborn um, I'm so independent. It's actually like, it's not a good thing. <laughs> so even as like stupid things when I was a kid and I first tried to shave my legs and I didn't ask my mother for advice or anything. I just like took a razor and, um, I didn't realize that the, the razor was as sharp as it was. I don't know what I was thinking. I was like 11 <laughs> and I gashed my thumb um, oh. because I touched the razor part. I don't know <laughs> again why I did that, but. Uh, yeah, I think like it took me a long time to feel comfortable talking to them about anything. Um, we always had like a really positive relationship. It was just like I hid everything from them or I just didn't talk to them about stuff. Um, and again, that was my fault. My, my mom is like really emotional. Um, she's always like, yeah, let's talk about things and discuss things. And she like, you know, likes feelings and stuff. And I was never that kid. <laughs> and so... Um, I think that when I let, I have the same issue. Like when I went to college, I was ready to go. I was ready to get out of the house. But um, with that first week, I cried like every single night because I missed my parents. And um, like you think you're ready for it. But I don't know. And as, as you grow, you start to see your parents as people more. And so I think that definitely helped. Um, but But now I tell them everything. I talk to them every day. I like I'm texting them um, and now I'm like very candid with them so they actually like know who I am Um, I don't hide anything from them I tell them everything and that's not even just because they're my parents and I feel like I have to it's because I like having them be a part of my life in every in every way possible Um, and yeah so I recently did the same thing when I was I'm now living across the country from them but when I was in college my parents moved six hours away from me and so, um, and they took my brother with them. So um, I w- wasn't seeing them a ton and I was in schools and then I was working. And so uh, it became difficult to like talk all the time. And then recently they moved back to Michigan where I'm from. And I was living with them for about seven months. And then I moved to New York for work. And so that was the same, same thing that happened in college. Basically, I got here and I like cried for the first month that I was here because I miss my parents and 
even like leaving the house, my dad was driving me to the airport to for my flight out here. And I was like bawling my eyes out. And my dad was just laughing at me. <laughs> he, was like, <laughs> he was like, you're 27 years old. Like you can't be here forever either. Um, and then he'd be joking. Like, you want me to turn around? You want to just stay home? And I was like, no, but I just want to be sad at the same time. Um, but yeah, and they, they just visited me, which was fantastic. And I love my parents. They're amazing. Um, and w- w- what was it like when, when they're leaving you now and when they visited? I have a lot more chill now. Um, I think like okay. <laughs> initially when I left it, it was like, I don't know. I'm just a dramatic person, I guess, because I was like, oh, I'll never be under their roof again. And I'm never going to see them. And, and then I like, I flew home, you know, and within the month because I missed them so much. And I was like, okay, this isn't bad. It's an hour flight. I was just being a little theatrical in my thinking and um, we'll be fine. And so it was nice. It was really nice to see them. That's great. I, I flew back also like within a month of being in Boston. <laughs> did you? I, yeah, absolutely. And I still do not have chill because <laughs> on, on Sunday evening when it was time to go to the airport, I was like, I, I was really like delaying things. I was like, oh, I don't really want to go. Like, who needs school? Yeah, exactly. And yeah, my mom was like, what are you doing? <laughs> if you don't want to go, just don't go. If you want to go, go. Like, don't whine about it. Okay, fine. Yeah. I think it's it's funny. You, you said how your, your mom was very willing to talk about feelings from a young age. And you kind of like rebelled against that. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's funny how we just rebel against whatever our parents want for us in, in some ways, right? Like I, oh, yeah. my mom, my parents both are not like super expressive about feelings mm-hmm. especially when I was younger now it's now it's a little easier but when I when I was like middle or high school they would never really ask me like how are you feeling today or anything like that mm-hmm. or like let's discuss like what you went through and I would be like come on like someone talk to me like don't just ask me what I ate for lunch oh really yeah and yeah but and then I've like kind of forced them to be more dis discussion oriented with me now Uh but yeah it's just funny how we always just try to rebel yeah my parents could have been like um you should be a unicorn wrangler you know or like literally they could have said anything and i've been like no screw that like i'm gonna do whatever i want to do yeah i think that's very natural to like just just take everything that your parents say and flip it now that you're in boston you've been there for like a little over a month or two months yeah, a little over a month, month and a half. Yeah, same been... for you, right? Yeah, same for yeah, yeah. We moved around the same time as well. Um, and s- what has it been like for you since you moved? As far as yes. how have you been feeling, um, like adjusting to like such a different, such a drastic change? Yeah, it's. I think there's a lot of different factors that go into the feeling of being here. One, obviously, is just the distance from parents and the fact that I can't see them every weekend if I want or not even every month if I want. But also just the differences that come from moving from Texas to Boston, Mm -hmm. the way that people interact here, uh, the lack of context I have here. I I just have, like, so many more, like, close friends around Texas in in different cities there. Mm -hmm. I always feel like I'm just kind of at home. It's easy to call it like where I'm from, you know, like ah, I'm from Texas, like that's what I identify as. And to come here and 
be also in a stressful school environment while not having parents, while not having close friends. That's been tough. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's been tough, especially in a loneliness sense. Yeah. I think there's, you know, like I, I came to school because I wanted to do it and I can deal with that. But there's obviously times where you struggle with something or you're just overwhelmed with like all, all the different things you're doing and you just like wish you had someone around that already knew all that. Right. So you don't you have know, to explain. And... Yeah. I think familiarity is just like it's nice and you, you don't have to like all constantly explain who you are and why you feel what you feel because mm-hmm. that's an exhausting thing to do. Yeah. Right. Uh, when you have someone that just gets it, it's, it's so much easier. Yeah, absolutely. And then in terms of, I think in terms of getting used to the environment now, um, it's getting better, starting to like understand how to interact with people here. What, what I found, which is pretty funny, is that in Texas, you have to be polite to get respect from people. <laughs> yeah. And in at least in some of the interactions that I have here, you have to be aggressive to get respect from people. This is like an East Coast thing. It, it really is, yeah. And it's kind of fun, though. It's kind of fun to just, like, try that side of yourself out and <laughs> yeah. just be like, yeah, I'm going to fight back right now. And, <laughs> yeah. and then people tend to like you for it. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Do you, you find that's the same in New York? Oh, completely. Yeah. And I, I don't mind giving into that side a little bit. I've never been, like, that aggressive of a person. <laughs> I'm pretty passive. But it's nice to kind of, like, like you said, try those shoes on for a change. And um, just as something as, like, simple as trying to get a spot on the subway. Which I'm sure, like, yeah. you know, you have to, like, fight for it. Yeah. Someone in front of you and, like, I literally saw someone push a person out of the way. Oh, my God. It was, it was very intense. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was hysterical, um, but, it, like, a fight almost broke out. But you have to, you, yeah, you're right. You have to be a little bit more aggressive. And Michigan, like, the Midwest is ultra passive. So, you know, everyone's always like, hi, thank you, sorry. <laughs> And here, you know, no one cares. And how, how's the new, you, you, are, you also moved to New York for a new job and stuff. What, what has that been like? It's good. I, I think that um, I've kind of turned into a person where if I find myself in a new environment, I just kind of like make myself comfortable <laughs> um, out of like just the need to have, you have to do that. So it's, you know, the first day I like went out for a happy hour drinks with a coworker and I just like decided we were going to be friends and like made her made her be my friend basically right (laughs) so um but you're right like it gets tiring I have people out here that I know but it's not like my all my best friends are back home you know my parents are back home and so it gets exhausting just going out on the weekends and like catching up with old friends from college or like people that I kind of know or know through um different organizations because it's still like we're getting to know each other and um that that's tiring in itself you know it's kind of like the same conversations and like you just want people who already like you said already know you already understand you where we can skip all the parts of us trying to get to know each other better and like we can sit on my couch and watch a movie exactly like to be comfortable in that in that silence and that laziness together is is next level right oh it's (laughs) such a luxury i'm realizing (laughs) i i could go on and on about friendships uh, on, on another day but yeah. <laughs> one, one thing I want to say that is related to that is a, a joke that me and one of my best friends have is that we are trust fund friends 
<laughs> so what we mean is, you know, in a lot of friendships that you have, you have to continue to invest in those friendships mm-hmm. and try and grow them. You have to always be wondering about, like, when's the next time you meet up with this person? Um, how do I make sure that, like, friendship stays intact? Right. Uh, what, are, what are the kind of things you have to do to, like, just maintain that relationship, right? But if you get to a certain point, it's like a trust fund and that you don't have to really invest anything or like work towards it. You just mm-hmm. keep drawing benefits from it and it's always <laughs> going to be there. <laughs> and, uh, you can always rely on it. And I, and I don't, you know, yeah, I, I don't have trust fund friends here and that's, that's tough. Um, so in terms of the new job that you have, as well as what we talked about in terms of trying to find friends in the new environment, what are you doing that's been helpful in terms of keeping your mental health intact? Like, how are you personally coping? Um, I don't think that I am. Like, or I, I wasn't for the first month. I think you get so overwhelmed when you move to a new place that there's just so much going on at first. Um, so it's hard to, like, take time for yourself. Um, I, I like being alone um, most of the time, but, like, it does get exhausting to be by yourself. So I was okay for a little bit, but... Because I was also between insurance companies, I wasn't able to uh, get my, like, medication for depression. So that just kind of, like, es- like escalated the whole situation. Right. Um, so I think it was especially hard that first month. But I I didn't really, like, I think as to keep myself occupied, I just said yes to a lot of things. Um, so if I got invited to go do something or, like, hang out with someone or literally anything, I always said yes to it just to like get out um, because that's a lot of alone time when you first move. But yeah, I don't know that I really did a good job. I don't know what I would have done differently. I think I just needed to ride it out. But what about you? I think that's right about just kind of being a, a yes man or yes woman. Like you, you have to just take up the opportunities that people offer you and try and run with it, you know, like try and make, try and make those friends and invest where you can because yeah, otherwise you'll end up like watching too many episodes of Game of Thrones in your dorm room. Like, I have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I think yeah, I think that's one thing I've tried to do is uh, say yes to things, but also make myself like rationalize to myself the fact that I am busy with school and I need to just like concentrate on that. Right. And so, you know, I. I do plenty of Manmukti work every week. I have like a campus job or whatever. And then I try to do stuff outside. Like I took up Kung Fu classes, which is pretty fun. (laughs) And then like read like class itself has like a lot of readings with it and stuff. Right. So I feel like there's enough excuse in the school world, at least to just pretend like this is all you need to do. And like, you just have to envelop yourself totally in the study. But obviously that's, Mm -hmm. that's not good for you long-term. Right. And you have to make sure you, get out there and like are meeting people and like making sure you're happy. Yeah, definitely. And that can be hard to find. I think getting into a routine definitely helps. Um, like I feel like after settling for a little bit, I finally like, I found a yoga shelter that I like, um, or a yoga studio that I like, um, you know, doing work with Manmukti and other things and, and like trying to, to get back to the things I like to do regardless of where I am, like reading or like, you know, things like that. I think it helps. Um, or yeah, like you said, jo- also joining organizations and joining like a Kung Fu studio. 
How do you feel that, apart from all these sort of environment-related factors, how has your mental health been just in relation to leaving your parents? Like, what's what's dwelling on your mind in terms of that move that you've made? It's It was hard. I, I think, like, yeah, I think I had a lot of guilt for leaving. Uh, or if, I don't know, I just felt really guilty about leaving them and being away from them. And, uh, you know, like with my mom, at least, her family is all in India. And so her and I are really close. So things that she would normally talk to her sisters about all the time, she'll come to me and talk. And I love that, you know, but it's hard then when I can't be there next to her and for her. Um, You know, like my mom and I used to sit in my bed and she'd always like bring mangoes or fruit or whatever and come sit next to me. And we would just watch the news or talk. And that's, it's like those like silent moments that we, it's just not the same when you're away from them. Like FaceTime can only do so much, but when you can like physically be next to somebody and like feel them next to you, um, that's, that's not, you know, it's different. Absolutely. And there's no mangoes in FaceTime either. There's no mangoes in FaceTime. <laughs> I think that the whole world would probably just be improved if we could digitally send mangoes to each other. Yeah, cut and everything. Yeah. <laughs> My mom would be so mad if I made her do that. <laughs> With mom's love, yeah. Mangoes and <laughs> yeah. mom's love. That's key. Yeah. You know how you can, like, send heart emojis to people? It should be like that, but then you can, like, transfer feelings. <laughs> it could be dangerous, though, I guess. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, what about you? Yeah, I, th- I think I, f- I feel the same thing of guilt, right? Like, mm-hmm. I-, I think I've always sort of characterized it in my mind as a choice between ambition and comfort. Mm-hmm. If you have certain dreams in your head about you need to go to a certain place to achieve this, you need to study at a certain institution, you have to work in a certain environment, Oftentimes, it's just not going to happen to be in the same place where your parents have settled. Mm -hmm. And so in the act of just following your dreams or forging some sort of new path for yourself, like you have to, you have to leave that comfort behind, right? You have to follow ambition and choose a path that's going to necessarily take you away from your parents for an indeterminate amount of time, right? Right. And then, but then if you stay you have just so much more comfort, so much more happiness of being in a, in a family environment. Um, if you're, if you have a positive family environment, but then you have, you run the risk of staying there and developing some sort of resentment, right? That I didn't leave. I didn't go do what I wanted to do because of these people. Uh, because these parents left get me behind or because this community like stifled me or something and I don't know like it, it's a hard decision to make between gratifying that immediate need for comfort versus avoiding that later or longer term like potential resentment that could happen and also the longer term just dreams that you're trying to achieve I think it's funny when we think about this when we when we doubt ourselves based on this or feel this guilt because at least my parents when they immigrated here with me we left like they left their entire lives behind right they had 
Like, they, their friends weren't, like, a couple states away. They weren't a three-hour flight away. They were, like, across the world. Right. And they they just left, right? They knew that they chose ambition. They chose opportunity instead of the comfort, not, not just of family, but of an entire world system that made more sense to them than this, like, Western American system, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm personally struggling with moving, like, across the country. <laughs> yeah. And, and my parents are struggling with it too, right? Like, it's, it's funny that they ask me like, oh, you should just stay here. You should, you should work and stay with us or you should work and stay in the city. You don't have to go back to school. You don't have to just leave to Boston, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Don't go a few states away. But, but it's like, man, like, where do you even get off telling me that? Like, you left <laughs> everything behind. Right. Like, you left the entire country because you followed like your dreams and you had certain opportunities in mind. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes they say that, you know, they do that for us. Right. I wanted to give my kids the opportunities of America, et cetera. But then they just want you to stay home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then when, and then we're trying to take advantage of those opportunities. Like, okay, like I'm going to go to that school. I'm going to go to that CB that is going to give me the jobs I need. And then they're like, oh, uh, do you need to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know it's wild and and when they moved they didn't have FaceTime they didn't you had to like buy a calling card to call home and it's it's true like we're such babies we we can barely handle like we're complaining about just being able to FaceTime them every day versus you know before then they didn't they couldn't do that um they could just like text their parents and now we can like WhatsApp and everything but um, you know, I'm I really forgot about calling cards. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's because you know we that was being phased out, I guess, when we were growing up. What a terrible way of like having to communicate with people. <laughs> I know a calling card. You'd have yeah, to, like... you had to go buy that nonsense, <laughs> and then yeah. like, you, yeah, we we have it so easy. I think you were telling me a story about um, when your mom first came here. That was even harder than what we dealt with. Yeah, like. Her whole family, um, so my mom got married when she was 19, and she finished up school in India and then came here when she was, like, 20 or 21, and um, she, you know, essentially just moved with a stranger, like, the ultimate stranger danger of, like, moving (laughs) to a new country with a family that you barely know, with a man you barely know, like, who thought that was going to be a good idea? Like, I mean, they're great. My parents are fabulous people, but like, uh, it worked out for them. But what were their parents thinking? Like, if I did that now, my parents would hunt me down. They would hire a private eye and then have me murdered. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I'm curious about the grandparents and all this. Like, what were they doing at this time? Were, were they ever like, hey, hey, don't go. Like, you should just stay here. Or were they like, ah, like, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, like, eh, you'll be fine. I'm sure they're, they're fine people. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, I think the the idea of ambition versus comfort, it totally depends on the person. Uh, I think you and I are similar in the like, we needed to get out and we need to go do things for ourselves and create this life for ourselves. But I think it's really easy for people to, no one wants to look back on their life and put the blame on themselves. And so that blame is going to get shifted to you know, oh, I only stayed here for my parents or I only stayed here for, you know, th- they're going to put that blame on external factors versus like looking within themselves. And right. 
that's not, it's, that's dangerous as well. And so I think you have to figure out what's right for you and stick to it. But, you know, it's hard then when you have these moments of doubt, like you were saying, then to go back to your parents and tell them how you're feeling. Like, you know, when I first got to New York, I was like, did I make a mistake? Like, am I doing the right thing? Should I be here? What if I just, you know, made this move and this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing right now? And I can't tell my parents that. Like, like they wanted me to stay. They would have rather me stay at home and, like, been with them. But how do I share that those feelings of doubt with, you know, the people I'm closest to without them being like, oh, just come home. It's fine. You know, the big bad city got you. Like, it's okay. Just come back. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's, it's very easy for them to just offer that alternative to us, right? And we have to, like, it's like we have to actively resist it. Every time... I call home and I, I seem some sort of like, I seem any sort of hesitant or I seem any sort of like upset with the current situation or stressed or anything. Every time my mom will just be like, oh, you could leave everything behind. You could come <laughs> home. And at, the, at that point I have to like, and I'm kind of glad she does that because when she does it, it's like a challenge to me and I have to like react like <laughs> aggressively. Like, no, I love it here. I freaking love it here. And I'm just like, <laughs> it's so true it's part of that rebellion again Maybe exactly yeah it goes back to that point of rebellion you, whenever they offer us no well, I'm taking the alternate option yeah like just so stubborn and so defiant and <laughs> maybe that's part of their parenting process it's reverse psychology maybe yeah I, there are hype men I'd like to know at some point in the future whether this was all just a ploy <laughs> yeah <laughs> A large conspiracy parenting. <laughs> that would be freaking brilliant if that was the case. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> but how do you think moving forward, like, you're going to... Even, I guess this, this also ties in with, like, what we were talking about in the beginning, where we often are talking about, like, the the relationship between your parents and your mental state is usually a negative... There's a negative connotation attached to that. So, but even if it's positive, you know, how do you let your parents or anything really like not affect your mental well-being? I don't know that you can, but how do you like balance yourself out? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a really tough question. <laughs> I think, I think it's inevitable that the environments we find ourselves in and the decisions we make have stresses on us, stresses of doubt, stresses of pressure, stresses of ambition versus comfort. Mm -hmm. And all those stresses build up to have some sort of mental health effect, right? Like stress is in my mind, like a, an instance of mental being mentally unwell. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's natural that these decisions we make come with these things. I think it, I think like you said, it, it takes a month sometimes, you know, it takes a month to just figure out like, okay, this is how I should think about it. And to figure out a frame of reference in your mind that lessens that stress, that reinforces to you that you've done the right thing by being where you are, that you can always see your parents uh, if you just get on a flight, that you can always see them that you can always spend more time with them uh, later in life when you've kind of done what you needed to do 
at this place that you've left them for. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the only way to like really frame it to yourself, right? You have to, you have to find that, you have to find that comfort with where you are and find that hope that things can go back to a good mix between ambition and comfort. Yeah. And I think, you know, life is hard no matter what you are doing. Um, and it's about choosing what kind of hard you want. So do you, do you do the things that you need to do now and you deal with being uncomfortable, but then ultimately, you know, create this life that you've always wanted? Or do you stay in comfort now and then eventually feel uncomfortable because you didn't do the things that you felt like you should be doing in life? You know, so I think it's just about your whatever you need to do for yourself. And right. Then, yeah. You know, choosing your own specific struggle, right? Yeah. Yeah, we have little control, but the control we do have, you know, we can we can shape our lives into what we want to a certain extent. I think. Yeah. No, I think that's absolutely right. I think that's I think that's the way you have to think about it, so so that your mental state stays in a positive space. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it has to do a lot with you know, balancing stress with hope. Yeah. How do you feel today, specifically? Today, specifically? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see what... I had a dope breakfast with some friends in college. <laughs> nice. So I'm feeling I'm feeling good in the tummy, which means I'm feeling good in the heart. <laughs> Usually. Um, this is the way I've been raised by my mom, I think. <laughs> I've been conditioned into me now, like, oh, oh if, I've, if I've eaten well, I must be doing well. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a bad way to live. And... You know, I, I think the past, I think these things like dip, ebb and flow too, right? The past two weeks, I was super busy with midterms and all I could think about in my head was the next thing I needed to accomplish, the next thing I needed to read or understand or write. Mm-hmm. And it was this funny thing where as soon as that ended for me, as soon as I was done with midterms, my mind switched back to like, okay, okay what else is going on in my head right now? <laughs> oh, okay, let's see, let's see, let's figure out, uh, let's explore in here. And it's like, oh. Oh, you're lonely, aren't you? <laughs> and, like, and then it started bugging me about that. I was like, ah, oh, like, man, you don't really have any close friends here. Like, oh, you're kind of lonely, aren't you? I'm like, God, God damn it, mine. Like, why, why can't we just be positive and, like, working on things again? Like, that was a good two weeks. Oh, God, I know. I know what you mean. Like, as soon as you have the distraction is gone, it's just like, oh, God, you forget. You Then, like, you get back to, like, oh, yeah, I have, I have nothing here. <laughs> I'm still figuring things out. Right, yeah, and I, I think I think it's good that, you know, we're at least recognizing that. And we're able to, like, kind of introspect and be like, okay, like, my mind is playing this trick on me because it has nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. Bugger mind. And I think when you when you at least know that that's what's happening, like, it's easier to be like, okay, uh, this is gonna, I'm going to, like, change my perspective or okay, I'm feeling lonely today, fine, like, I'm gonna meet up with, like, three people tonight and right. go from dinner to a party to an after party or something, right? <laughs> but, like, yeah. whatever, make, whatever, like, I need to make me feel like I'm addressing my specific need at that specific time, whether it's going out and just, like, being super extroverted for a night or whether it's FaceTiming my mom for, like, two hours. <laughs> yeah. Like, you, gotta, you gotta find whatever it is that fills your need, I think. Feel wrong.
wrong, but just take from your mistakes. You're living through the night, sleeping through the day, and you're the only one. And you're the only one. So I think we talked about a lot of topics today. I probably divulged a little bit too much about all the times I've cried, <laughs> or how dependent I was on people to tie my shoelaces. <laughs> the beginning of this conversation but I think we got at some important points about how if your parent if you're really even if your relationship with your parents isn't one of pressure or stigma of mental health that they still have even in positive relationships such an important effect on your mental state and along with the other things that um, your environment puts upon you right um just i think both chama and i have talked about how we've moved to new locations and are dealing with new new expectations of us from our social circles as well as our respective career aspirations in terms of how we think about mental health and framing it in a way that's helpful when thinking about you know leaving behind parents and and the guilt of doing that you know we talked about the ambition versus comfort thing um for me it's it's a lot of trying to satisfy the needs that the needs that come up as they come up and what i mean is super stressed about getting something done for work or getting something done for school and in in, in those times it's it's more like heads down, like completely just working and not worrying about the fact that um, you've left behind this comfort of home, you've left behind the, the safety, and sometimes you just really want that safety net and everything that came with it, and at times it goes to the extreme of you have to just, you have to be willing to just fly back home for a weekend if you need it, if you really need those um, mangoes on the bed like Shama <laughs> does, or for me, dosas in the morning. <laughs> uh, but sometimes you need just a 30-minute FaceTime to kind of recalibrate your mental health and get that feeling of comfort back, mm-hmm. even if it's even if it's through technology, even if it's through distance. At least you, you get a little bit of that feeling that you're missing by having left. And I think that really helps to to set things straight and at least in my experience just five minutes of like getting made fun of by my mom or telling her that I am or telling her that I'm like going on a date or something and she like makes fun of me for that is (laughs) is all I really need to feel like you know I'm still connected or I I have that comfort zone to go back to anytime I need it yeah. What about what about you? How do you what do you really take away from what we talked about today? Uh, I completely agree with what you're saying, and I think something else that helps is when you do have those moments of doubt. It's and you don't feel like that's something that you want to share with your parents, not to freak them out or make them feel like they're worried about you or anything. But sometimes you just need to talk to somebody who gets it, and I think Abby, you've taken the brunt of that from me. Um, I'll just be like, I'm sad. <laughs> so I think it's helpful. 
<laughs> it's helpful that like you're going through the same thing and I have like you where I can text you and be like, hey, you know, I just need to like complain and vent a little bit. Um, so finding people that can understand you is or just texting your friends is always like nice to help you get through those lulls. But you trust your gut. Um, you can always go home no matter what. And I think that you have to, for your, also for your mental health, you have to see the things that you want to do through to experience them and to just know for yourself that there's stuff out there. This was nice. I think we, this did, was nice. we needed to, to vent it out a little bit. I, I, I feel like calling my mom now. Oh, I'm totally going to call my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Abby and myself for being our own guests because we're strong, independent podcasters. Uh, <laughs> and thank you to our team and to our listeners. Be sure that you like, comment, subscribe, share, and get in touch with your own thoughts, comments, or guests that you believe could break the stigma. I'm Shama with the Mun Mukti Podcast. See you next time. Don't hide, just run